Gina. Life, love and laughter. Clyde 2. Hi, I'm Gina McKee and welcome to Clyde 2's Life, Love and Happiness podcast. Now, this is where I get the chance to talk to some fantastic, inspirational people who really have gone the extra mile in their life, whether it be personally or in business. This week, I'm joined by life coach Susie Bowman, who, well, after finding herself in a very, very dark place, she made some hard decisions that certainly changed her life forever. Susie now dedicates her time to helping others with her. Wait for this statement change the world seminars so she came into the Clyde 2 studio and we started talking about well how she ended up in such a low place I had never stopped I was in my mid-30s and you know I had a nice house a good job a partner you know essentially from the outside it all looked good you were happy yeah it looked on the outside but I wasn't you know I was in tons of debt I was overweight my health was suffering My job was great. I absolutely loved my job. And I was throwing all my energy into my job because that was the only thing that was going well. But my relationship was miserable. You know, I was living for the weekends just to go out and get drunk, literally go back to work, throw myself into work again, just avoiding, avoiding, avoiding. And it was after another argument with my partner and we'd been having the same argument for 12 months and I vowed that I would not be in this position this time next year. And here I was doing the same thing and just life was just getting worse and I was just getting more and more unhappier. And, you know, so I met Alistair, the life coach, and, you know, he just told me, he says, well, life coaching is, you know, I help people to reach their true potential. And then he very bluntly said, you could do with some life coaching. And I was really He's telling you, okay. Totally, I was so indignified. <laughs> and I thought, how very dare you? But, he, you know, he was absolutely right. But it took me another four months before I plucked up the courage to actually phone him and say, "Okay, I think I need to come and see you. Because I felt I felt really embarrassed. I felt there was a stigma. I thought looked at all my friends and my colleagues and I thought, well, nobody else is needing a life coach. Why am I such a failure that I can't sort out my own life? I now know that actually that it takes great courage to actually look at your life and kind of face up to stuff that's not working out and having an honest appraisal. So anyway, I met Alistair and, you know, the first session he said, well, what do you want from life? And I said, I don't know. And I said, I suppose I just want to be happy. And he says, well, what does happiness look like? And I said, I don't know. I had no idea. And he said, well, how can you create the life that you want to live and be happy if you've no idea? And I was like... Good question. (laughs) What is happiness? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, these questions, nobody had ever asked me these questions. I'd never asked myself these questions. I'd never... There'd been no platform in my life to ever, you know, raise these questions. So kind of think, well, what is the life that I want to live? And am I living it? Am I living true to my values and my beliefs and my, you know and I wasn't I was completely living against everything that I believed in I was people pleasing doing things to make other people happy and you know and I, I genuinely you I were wasn't. plodding okay so you were plodding. plodding along yeah absolutely just uh, you know and my life wasn't you know it wasn't great but it wasn't horrendous until you know basically I started seeing Alistair for six months and I started you know seeing weekly and I could ill afford it at the time like I had we were in lots of debt and but I realized I wasn't spending my money on anything that was going to help me change my life so I had to find a way to to fund this and you know started seeing Alistair regular and I started to really look at my thinking about 
how negative my thinking, my thoughts were, you know, my self-esteem, self-belief, limiting thoughts. And I started to address that and I, you know, really started to see changes happening. They were just small in the beginning. But then a whole grenade went off in my life and my mum and sister were both diagnosed with terminal cancer within four months of oh each other. Oh my goodness. And that, well, it just completely rocked my world. I'd already lost my dad 10 years earlier. And, you know, at the time I remember like my sister, I really thought she was going to pull through. But my mum, I knew it was that it wasn't going to have a happy ending. And this devastated me because I just thought, you know, when my dad, my dad was also diagnosed with cancer and, you know, he was given literally weeks to live and he died six weeks later. And in this rare moment that we had together, just the two of us, he broke down in tears and I had never seen my dad cry. He was like a proper strong man. And you I don't know, think many of us have. No. Yeah, it's it's well, your that, dad. Yeah, exactly. And he never showed his emotion and... You know, he used to, and he was quite an angry man as well, and he used to shout a lot, and that, you know, that was upsetting. But I, in this moment, I understood why for the first time. And he burst into tears, and he said, "You know, I'm too young to die. I've still got loads to do." And I remember thinking, "Wow!" Like I'd seen, my dad seemed like his life was so fulfilled, and I couldn't believe he was saying this. And I, you know, after sort of the grief and. Um, going through losing dad I remember thinking that is not going to be my legacy I am not going to be at the end of my life saying I have regrets and I've you know the I've got all this of, stuff I want to know, achieve yeah. yeah and I thought I am going to embrace life and you know take it head on full on you know I'm not going to let anything hold me back anyway flash forward 10 years and here I am completely complacent about life plodding along not thriving miserable in a relationship you know life not not thriving and I thought how could I have got to this point and just allowed this to happen again how am I learning the same brutal life lesson again and you know I mean <clears throat> the next sort of year two well in fact the next sort of four years were all about you know my mum passed away then my sister <clears throat> passed away I have another sister that is a cat you know that has learning disabilities so I became carer for her and I always knew that Shelley would come and live with me when my parents passed away. But I had just presumed that I'd be married with kids and she would slot into family life and all my siblings would be around about me and, we, you know, I'd be supported. And But that wasn't my situation because, you know, after mum passed away, I split up with my partner, which meant selling the house, which my other sister was obviously struggling with her um, her illness. And my brother, well, our relationship completely deteriorated after mum died. So I was literally, it was just me and Shelley. Mm. So it was just like, it was a whole grenade that went off of stresses in my life. And, you know, even my job, which I loved and I was good at, that completely failed because I was just, my mental health was completely deteriorating under the, the grief and the losses that the I'd The stress, yeah. the strain, understandable. Yeah, and... So there was just no foundation in my life that was solid. You know, everything had everything I had known had suddenly was changing or had changed. And the only consistent thing that I had was Alistair with the life coaching. I mean, he was still there as rock solid support. And, you know, I look at that time. I mean, I really did get to a really dark place where I just woke up one morning and I just thought, oh, I just can't do this anymore. And... 
you know, I was tired, I was exhausted. Uh, it just seemed like it was never ending, it was relentless, and I had physical pain in my heart from the grief of all the losses. And I just thought, you know, I'm a firm believer that when you pass away that you go to this beautiful place. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, you know, this place of unconditional love, and I thought, why am I hanging around suffering all this pain and stress and when I could just check out? And that was the moment I thought, whoa, when did I start having thoughts like that? Yeah. You know, because my nickname is Susie Sunshine, you know, like I am, you know, glass half full and I do look on the bright side and oh, I'm a fixer, you know, I find solutions to things. I know there's a solution to everything. And I was like, wow, when did I start, when did that happen? When did my mental health deteriorate so much that I'm thinking of giving up and checking out. That downward spiral was just mm. going down and yeah, down yeah. and down. Yeah. And that was the turning point when I knew, right, okay, I've been seeing Alice, I've been getting the life coaching, I've got all this theory, I've got all these tools, but I'm not applying them. And this is where I really need to dig in deep and start applying them. This is Gina. Gina. Life, love and laughter. Clyde too. You know, it was small things in the beginning, like a gratitude journal. And, you know, it sounded at the time, it just sounded so like oh, out there and American and, you know, just not what we do in Scotland or as in Britain, just so British about these things. And I literally, you know, tried to find, you know, would write three things that had happened were good in my life. And, you know, at the time when everything wasn't good, it was a real struggle. But then when I really started to focus, actually, you know what? I've still got a roof over my head. I've still got a job. I've still got good friends. I've still got my sister. You know, I've still Look at what have I got? What can I be grateful yeah, for? Yeah, absolutely. Gratitude. So, you know, and this really made a difference to me. And, you know, started really throwing myself into personal development. You know, I was going on reading every self-help book you could find. I was going to seminars and talks and conferences. and Feeding your brain with the good stuff that's going to get you out of that black hole. Absolutely, absolutely. Just surrounded myself with anything that would inspire me, help me, support me to get out of this, quite frankly, the the crappy life I was living, you know? And yeah, I mean, I re- you know, it didn't happen overnight. It took a lot of work. It took several years. And here I am, you know, seven years now since my mum passed away, five years since my sister. And I am the happiest and healthiest I've ever been. And that's quite a statement to make because if I had not had the right support around me, I would have been talking a very different story. You know, we hear about a lot about stress and mental health and post-traumatic uh, stress disorder. I would have been su- suffering PTSD from all the losses if I'd not had this the support. But as a result, I'm so you know I'm now it's post-traumatic growth. You know, when you come through adversity, more empowered, and you learn from that and you grow from it, and that is what's happened because I had this right the right environment, the right role models. So I could never, you know, thank anybody uh, enough for the support and, you know, certainly not Alice and my life coach. So all I can do is now pay it forward 
And this is why I set up Change Your World, which is a very long answer to your question. But yeah. What, an, what a story. What an incredible... <laughs> well, actually, I should say, what a journey. Mm, um, yeah. to, you're like me, Susan, you're very gesticular and you use your hands and you think you hear I know, hitting the talking. desk. Sorry. Hitting the desk. No, no, I, I do exactly the same. But first of all, is Alistair still in your life? Absolutely, yeah. We work together and, you know, he still coaches me because it's not... I mean, it's very much our relationship has changed. It's not kind of student teachers anymore but he's very much a rock solid he's become a family member now and he's somebody that you know I still go to for guidance because you know I'm still growing there's always another Aren't we level all yeah, still growing? yeah that's it there's always another level and you know now I am pushing myself out of my comfort zone so much now and I have my meltdowns and I have my anxieties Don't and I have I have all the fears. But now you cope. The point is now you've got your coping mechanisms. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So your vision for these seminars, change your world. Mm. This is you giving back. This is mm. you taking a collection of inspirational speakers. And uh, did I say touring the world? Is that the plan? Is that the vision? That is, yeah. That's a big vision. I mean, essentially. So I bring together, you know, the leading experts, motivational speakers, um, health and well-being professionals and I put on conferences and you know it's to give people the tools so I inspire people to make changes and it's to create a ripple effect for individuals organizations and the environment so you know what what we don't understand what we don't appreciate as individuals is the every single action we take has a ripple effect so if we can make more positive choices then that creates a more positive world, you know, a positive environment to live in. It improves our relationships, our health, our well-being, our happiness. And it doesn't have to be big, massive things. I mean, it could be a simple change like ditching your car and deciding to walk to work. You know, Mm -hmm. that will improve your heart health, your mental health. You're one less person that needs to tap into the services of the NHS. You know, you'll be around for your family. (laughs) You know, you're happier when you come home. You shake off the stresses of the day. And I mean, it's just one simple thing. And that has a massive ripple effect. I keep using the word ripple effect. But, but it's this true, is what the it's outcome all about. is a butterfly yeah. effect kind of yes. thing, isn't it? So you surround yourself with these incredible, inspirational, mm. motivational speakers. Mm. This is possible, it's kind of putting you on the spot, but who do you love listening to? You know, there's always that one person you like to mm. read their book or watch the TED Talk. Who do you love listening to? There is uh, one, well, in fact, as soon as I, I did one, I was like, no, actually, <laughs> <was> hundreds. <laughs> Uh, but there is definitely one that the first person that sprung to mind was Anita Munjani, and she's written a book called Dying to Be Me. I have I've I've uh, listened to her talk. I uh, went to see her talk. Well, I I mean I've read her book. I've listened to her talks and podcasts and what have you. And I saw her in Bristol uh, just earlier this year. Uh, it's an incredible story. And I mean, if I I can't even do the justice of her story. But what her life lesson was all about was being true to herself. Like she was somebody that was people pleasing. She was living, doing what her dad wanted, doing what her mum wanted, you know, not being true to herself, doing what her culture wanted and, you know, not living the life that she wanted. And I, you know, I think we as individuals, we do this a lot because we're constantly worried about what others will think of us. (laughs) You know, it's like, you know, so many things. I mean, I've recently given up drinking. And I I decided that I would do the one year no beer challenge. And this is, you know, give up. Well, you can give up for a month, three months or a year. And, 
You have no idea how terrified I was of telling people, do you know what, I'm going to give up drink for a year just to see what it's like. Mm -hmm. Because I was so inspired by the guys that, that run the movement and they just said, you know, what's a year out of your drinking career and what could you discover yeah. about yourself? And I thought, wow, gosh, yeah. And, you know, I've just massively learned how detrimental to my mental health, um, you know, my physical health, but more my mental health, the anxiety, the come down from the a fear. night out. Yeah. Oh, the fear. It, nothing. I hate that feeling so much now. And I, I'm actually, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do after the year because the idea of feeling that fear and anxiety again. You're filling your mind now with good stuff. Yeah. So you don't, well, you, don't, you don't need it. Well, that's one of my philosophies. You know, like, you know, it's, it can, change is really difficult and it doesn't come easy and you come up against lots of resistance and obstacles and what have you. So rather than, you know, like see yourself giving up something, Fill yourself up with all the things that bring you joy and it naturally squeezes out all the stuff that doesn't. Yeah, that hard drive of the brain can only take in so much. It's so true. Yeah. Uh, just to go back to Anita's story, actually, mm. and her book, if you've ever questioned, uh, is there life on the other side? Yeah. Definitely read, uh, read Anita's her, book. Yeah. Um, Susie, okay, so if we want to come to your seminars, follow you around the world, how do we find you? Well, I'm on, uh, my website is changeyourworld.me. I've also got Facebook pages, I'm on Twitter, on YouTube, you know, all the social media, Instagram, all that. So all at Change Your World 555. Wonderful. I will look forward to coming to your seminars in due course. Susie Beaumont, thanks for coming in. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Here's to the change. <laughs> Gina, life, love and laughter. Like and share us and come back for the next episode next week. Clyde too.